Happy Mother's Day, Hope City Church. My name is Andrea Isaacs, and my husband Jason and I, we are the pastors of Hope City, and we are just so thrilled to be with you again, connecting through this online platform or however you are hearing or experiencing this message. We are just thrilled to be able to spend some time today together talking about God's Word, being encouraged by one another, and it's especially special this weekend because it's Mother's Day. And we just wanna give a big shout out to all of the moms who are in our lives. We have a saying around here that really this weekend isn't just about moms, it's, it's really an excuse to celebrate women. Uh, but whoever the caregivers, the nurturers are in your life, we, we just wanna say thank you. In fact, if you wanna drop a comment right now in the comments section, maybe giving a shout out or honoring a lady who's in your life, say thank you for all the diapers you've changed, all the meals you've cooked, all the ways that you have imparted wisdom, taken care of us, looked after us, really honestly, just how they have brought beauty and compassion uh, into the world. We are so grateful. We are thankful for everything that you have done uh, in our lives. And we just wanna say we love you. We wanna say thank you. Listen, life has looked so drastically different the last several weeks. Um, I, I know that you are feeling that. I know that I have been feeling that and experiencing that. Words like COVID-19 and pandemic and quarantine have become just a part of our normal vocabulary. And that is a big deal because it speaks to the fact that we are living in times and in a season that is unprecedented. It has a lot of concern, a lot of unanswered questions. And we're gonna talk about that a little bit today. It is going to be um, important because we have so many questions, so many things that we've had to let go of or, or grieve even, things that have been heartache or disappointment um, in our lives. And if I'm being honest, the last several weeks, God has really, really kind of even been dealing with me about something very specific. And that is this idea of blessing. Can we be blessed? Can we feel and experience blessing during uncertain times, during a pandemic? And that's what I want us to talk about. And I, I think the answer to that question is yes. I believe that there is a way for us to experience, to know that we are blessed even when things look crazy and chaotic all around us. You know, in our Western culture, it is so tempting for us to think that blessing is defined by happiness or success. I'm blessed because I got a new car. I'm blessed because I have a new job. I'm blessed because I have kids or a family or a big bank account. And if we're not careful, if we start to equate blessing as only being the benefits in our life, we are going to be tempted to continue and chase down bigger and better over and over. And it is always, listen to me, it is always going to leave us unsatisfied. And so I thought the perfect place for us to start is to talk about what is that word blessing anyway? What does that even mean? And the Greek language, um, makario, is the way that this word is pronounced. And it just means that there is a way for us to be fully satisfied. Blessing means to be satisfied. It is referring to those receiving God's favor regardless of the circumstances. And so I want us to kind of lay the foundation. I want us to look at this statement 
as being the way that we define blessing. Here it is. We're going to put it up on the screen for you. I am blessed when I am fully satisfied in God. Can you say that with me? I am blessed when I am fully satisfied in God. And there is an amazing story in the Bible that I think is so timely and so appropriate for where we are at right now in this season. And I want us to take a look at that story today and maybe help us to kind of establish and see or answer this question. Can I be blessed when maybe the circumstances around me don't really feel like a blessing? And the story that we're going to take a look at is the book of Ruth. The book of Ruth is a book that is in the Old Testament, and there's a couple of really cool features about the book of Ruth. First of all, it's only four chapters, so it's short. The second thing that I think is really kind of stands out right away that's really interesting is that it is named after a woman. There are only two books in the whole entire Bible that are titled after females. The other one is Esther, but that's another story for another day. Um, but Ruth is right in the middle. It is, if you're going chronologically in order, it is right in the middle of these other books in the Old Testament that are actually pretty difficult, pretty challenging. Talking about times in the narrative of the Jewish people that are really devastating. And right in the middle, it's like we get this glimmer of hope, this glimmer of encouragement that is so incredibly beautiful. And I want us to take a look at that today. If you have your Bibles, I would love for you to, to check these out. This is a great story for the whole family. If you've got kids that are watching and hanging out with you um, for, this, for this time, take a look, get over to Ruth chapter one and look at how this starts. It says, in the days when the judges ruled in Israel, a severe famine came upon the land. What a way to start a story. What a way to set the scene, to just go ahead and let us know things are not great. Things are not going well. There's a family that's experiencing this famine and the dad, the father in this family, his name is Elimelech and his wife is named Naomi and they've got two sons. And Elimelech, he decides, man, this famine is not good for us. Things are looking really bleak. And so he decides to pack up his whole entire family. They lived in Bethlehem. They were a Jewish family. And he says, we're moving to Moab. Now, this is a big deal because Moab, I kind of like to think of it as like a modern day Las Vegas, like Sin City, okay? Anytime Jewish people would have been talking about or, or known about Moab, it was usually, usually associated with things that were not good, okay? Really kind of the opposite lifestyle, really, of what God was calling the Jewish people um, to model and live their lives after. So Elimelech, he's like, I'm out. This, is, this isn't working and we need a solution. And he decides to move the entire family to Moab. In just these first few verses of Ruth, we're gonna see that it's not just famine that hits this family hard, but in a few years after being in Moab, Elimelech, the dad, actually passes away. And then a few years later, the sons pass away. So what we have in this story is, is tragedy upon tragedy, hardship on top of hardship. And I can't help but think about how much that parallels some of our lives right now. Man, 
If there has ever been a time, I don't know about your life, but in my life, if there has ever been a season where I felt like I was in a famine or tragedy on top of tragedy or hardship on top of hardship, man, we are living it right now. We are living it right now. So if you've ever felt like the Bible doesn't apply or the Bible is too antiquated or outdated to work for my life, man, Ruth, reading Ruth and studying Ruth is a great way to dispel that. It's a great way to show us that the things that happen in their lives can look very similar, almost identical to our lives. So we start out, we've set the scene. The start of this is famine and funerals and misfortune. But in a, in a pretty awesome plot twist, I wanna jump ahead just a little bit. I want us to skip over to the end of Ruth, okay? I, I think that this is important. I want us to take a look at these last few verses in the book of Ruth, okay? Chapter four, starting at verse 13, it says, so Boaz took Ruth into his home and she became his wife. Now, Ruth is actually the daughter-in-law who married one of Elimelech's sons. So our title character, okay, is, is left at the start of this book, husbandless. But at the end of the book, we see that she's becoming a wife. When he slept with her, the Lord enabled her to become pregnant. Everybody say, the Lord enabled. Come on, say that one more time. The Lord enabled. That's key. And she gave birth to a son. Then the women of the town said to Naomi. Now, Naomi was Elimelech's wife. Remember from the beginning of our story, Elimelech and Naomi are the ones who moved to Moab. So we've got her at the end of our story as well. Naomi, it says, praise the Lord who has now provided a redeemer for your family. Everybody say, has now provided. That's good. So he's enabled and he's provided. May this child be famous in Israel. Verse 15, may he restore your youth and care for you in your old age, for he is the son of your daughter-in-law who loves you and who has been better to you than seven sons. Naomi, here we go, took the baby and cuddled him to her breast as she cared for him as if he were her own son. So this is talking about her grandchild. Naomi is holding this baby. The neighbor women said, now at last, Naomi has a son again, and they named him Obed. He became the father of Jesse and the grandfather of David. We start this story with a famine, and we see that the end of this story is a picture of a family. Man, what an encouragement. And I want you to have that as the backdrop for everything that we're gonna be talking about with the rest of our time together today. How do we go from experiencing or feeling like we are in a total and complete famine to seeing the fulfillment of something incredible for our lives? That big end picture that is so beautiful and so significant. So I want us to skip back, okay? So you've got kind of your bookends, how we start and, and how it's going to end. But what's all the stuff in the middle? You're like, that's great, Andrea. That's awesome. It all ended up well and fine and good for them. But, but that's not where I'm at right now. That's not what the picture of my life looks like right now. So let's go back and let's see what was happening 
to Naomi when she has all of this grief and loss and devastation around her? How does she deal with that? Let's take a look. So back to chapter one, Naomi in verse six, here's what it says. Then Naomi heard in Moab that the Lord had blessed, everybody say blessed, that the Lord had blessed his people in Judah by giving them good crops again. So Naomi and her daughters-in-law got ready to leave Moab to return to their homeland. Naomi has been gone for a decade. She left Bethlehem a long time ago. So maybe that's even something that applies to your life where it's been a really long time. It's been a really long time since you have felt any kind of prosperity or good season or, or where things were going right. It's been over 10 years since Naomi left Bethlehem. I think that's significant. I think that that's important. I think sometimes when we read the Bible and it's, it goes you know, from, from verse one and three and, and all this time and all these things happen and then we get to verses six or seven, it can feel fast because we're reading it um, quickly. But for these people, this was a long stretch of their life. A lot had happened. And I don't want us to miss that because I think there's a weight and a seriousness and a heaviness there um, that, that can be an encouragement to us if, if we'll let it. Okay. So Naomi, she's got no, no husband. Her sons are gone. It's her and her two daughter-in-laws, three widows. Okay. Three widows. And she is trying to come up with a plan. She's trying to figure out what to do. Says with her two daughter-in-laws, she set out from the place where she had been living and they took the road that would lead them back to Judah. But on the way, Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, go back to your mother's homes and may the Lord reward you for the kindness that you have shown your husbands and me. May the Lord bless you with the security of another marriage. Then she kissed them goodbye and they all broke down and wept. This is, this is emotional. Okay, these women have been holding on to each other through really difficult times. And there's some big decisions that are getting ready to happen. Some big changes that are coming. Man, that's exactly where some of us are at right now. How am I going to move forward? What's next in my life? How, how can I find solutions or answers when everything seems so difficult? And, and they're crying over this. Verse 10. No, they said, we want to go with you to your people. But Naomi replied, why should you go on with me? Can I still give birth to other sons who could grow up and become your husbands? No, my daughters, return to your parents' homes, for I am too old to marry again. And if it were even possible, Naomi's saying, if it were even possible, okay, kind of indicating to me that she's lost all hope of a better future. She has lost all ability to see a scenario where this could play out in a good kind of way. She says, if it were even possible for me to get married tonight and bear sons, what? Would you wait for them to grow up and, and then refuse to marry someone else? No, of course not. Of course not, my daughters. Things are far more bitter for me than for you because the Lord himself has raised his fist against me. Oh, my goodness, have you ever felt that way? That you would say out loud, God must be against me. There is nothing that I can see in my life 
that is good. There is nothing that I can see that has been a blessing to me. Everything has gone wrong. I've lost it all. It must be that God's hand is against me. Listen, God never said those words. God never said that. Naomi was perceiving things to be that way. Naomi was so burdened down with everything that had happened. She said, I'm not blessed. I'm bitter. I am bitter. Man, maybe that's exactly where you are at. Maybe as life has unfolded the last eight or nine weeks, you have felt like what else could possibly go wrong? God, are you even aware of how bad it is? God, it feels like your hand is against me. God, there is, there is nothing for me to be joyful about right now. In fact, you know what? Just go ahead and call me bitter. Just go ahead. And, and that is how she identified herself. I don't know if you've ever met somebody who felt that way, like just so broken that it's like, you know what? Just, just call me jealous. Just call me hurt. Just call me abused. Just call me forgotten. Wow. Just call me bitter. That's where Naomi was at. That's a big deal. That's a big deal. But let's see what happens. In verse 14, it says, again, they wept together and Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye. But Ruth clung tightly to Naomi. Look, Naomi said to her, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. You should do the same. But Ruth replied, don't ask me to leave you and turn back. Wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you live, I will live. Your people will be my people and your God will be my God. Wherever you die, I will die and there I will be buried. May the Lord punish me severely if I allow anything but death to separate us. When Naomi saw that Ruth was determined to go with her, she said nothing more. Now listen to me. I need us to see the significance of this moment. Naomi is having a total breakdown. She is having a total like crisis of faith, a total absolute just like nervous breakdown, a complete disaster. She is laying out all of the bad things that have happened. And in that moment, Ruth's response to her is not, yeah, it is really, really bad. You're right. We should just lay down and die right here. Ruth isn't coming to Naomi and saying, well, you think that's bad. Let me tell you how bad I've got it. Ruth isn't coming to Naomi and saying, yeah, I can't even believe you serve this God. Look at, look at how horrible things have been. It's in that moment. It is in that very moment that she says, your God will be my God. Your people will be my people. And I make this vow and I make this promise and commitment that if I don't hold up to my end of this statement, may God strike me dead. May God just end my life. This is a conversion moment for Ruth. This is that raise of her hand. This is that moment when Ruth is like, you know what? I'm all in. I'm all in. That makes 
absolutely no sense. It makes no sense that a foreigner, that a person from a different culture, a different religious background, and someone who is witnessing the harder, heavier sides of life would say, your God will be my God. That makes no sense. The only explanation is that God was moving and working in Ruth's life, regardless of everything else that was going on. It makes no sense. So listen, if you are feeling, questioning what is going on, how can I make sense of my life? Does God even know where I am at? Listen to me. One of the ways that we can be blessed, that we can be fully satisfied in God is to see that even our ability to believe in God is a blessing. Even our ability to recognize God and to say, God, you are my God, that is supernatural. That is a blessing. Only God, only God gives us the ability to even say those words. The, uh, he, he enables us. He enables us to have faith. We don't do that on our own. We cannot muster up out of thin air the ability to believe in a supernatural God that we cannot see. Jesus said it like this when he was talking to Thomas. There's a story after Jesus comes back from the dead and he's showing up to his disciples again. He says, Thomas, it, you believe because you've seen me. Blessed are those who believe and have not seen. Even Jesus says it. Blessed are those who believe. Blessed are those who believe. Ruth was not making a small commitment. She wasn't saying, I mean, yeah, it sounds like your way is a pretty halfway decent way. Like, we'll go with it. No, with every fiber of her being. And here's how we know this, okay? If you still have your Bibles and you're looking at this scripture, when she says, may the Lord deal with me, that capital L-O-R-D, anytime we see that in scripture, because it says God earlier, but when we see the capital L-O-R-D, that is the most sacred way of recognizing God in the Bible as it's translated. That means Yahweh. Yahweh is the Jewish, like the, the culturally, the most sacred name of God. Jewish people don't even say this name out loud. They don't even say it audibly, but it's the name that God gave himself. And so scholars believe that when Ruth was speaking that, when she was saying that, it's, it's, in essence, it's an affirmation. It's, it's letting us know that she understood that he was the supreme God, that he wasn't just another option, that he was the one and true and most amazing God. It was a conversion moment and that only happens supernaturally. Man, I have been praying that we would get that today, that we would understand that we cannot believe in God. We cannot have a faith in Jesus on our own. If you are struggling during this season, listen, if you're saying to God, I feel like you're against me, I don't feel very blessed. I want you to remind yourself. I want you to say this statement. I am blessed 
because I believe we can only be satisfied in God when we see that our ability to have faith in Him comes from Him. He is the prize. He is the reward. He is where it is at. Ruth makes this confession of her faith at the end of chapter 1. That's before she ever meets Boaz. That's before she ever has a baby. Listen, that's before she ever knows that she's going to be a book in the Bible. She believes before any of that other stuff ever happens. And I think that that is key. I think that that is huge. Our ability to believe is a blessing. It is a blessing. It is a blessing. But listen, here's something so exciting. As we move into chapters two and three and four of Ruth, God does show up in those tangible ways that we typically tend to associate with blessing. God does give them food and provision. God does show up and Ruth finds favor with a man named Boaz who falls in love with her and who marries her. God does bless us through gifts. You know why? Because he is a good, good father. He is so madly, passionately in love with each one of us. God does use our finances or our homes or our families to say, you know what? Here's a blessing. Here's a blessing. And so if you're struggling in this season, again, just to, to see or recognize maybe that new car at one time, it did feel like a blessing, but, but you're struggling to feel that way now. Maybe your kids and your family do, at one point it, it did seem like a blessing, but now it, it feels uh, so lost in the mix of everything else. If you're looking to be reminded, if you're looking to be reminded how to be satisfied in God, I want to encourage you to see your benefits as a blessing as well. So, so we've got to recognize that our belief is a blessing, but it is true. It is true that the, the benefits in our lives are also a blessing because they remind us that God is a good, good father. They remind us that there are joys and there are things that we um, can experience in this life. I, I am praying that God kind of opens your heart back up to seeing, yes, that thing that felt like it was weighing me down, God is actually, that was, that's a blessing. My house payment is a blessing. My car payment is a blessing. My job is a blessing. These are incredible gifts from God because they help us to be satisfied in Him. But I think there's a, a third way, a final way. If the story only pointed us to a marriage, to a baby, to a family, like those are easy to see. But I want to leave you with the idea that even the famine, even the loss, even the hardships that were in this story, that are a part of this story, that those are a blessing as well. Here's the reality. If there's no famine, then Naomi never meets Ruth. If there's no famine, Ruth never finds God. If there's not a famine, they don't end up with all of the same dots being connected. That's 
how incredible God is that even the things that feel terrifying or sad or gut-wrenching or heavy in our lives can be used to help us get to God. I don't know about you, but I am never more fully aware of my need for God than when I am struggling, when I am broken, when I feel grief, when I experience loss. All of those hardships in life remind me that God is actually good. Because I think that we need to, to, to have that balance sometimes. We, we need to see that there, that there are heavy moments that only God can carry us through, that only God can help us to come out of. Those very trials are the things that get us to Him. This is what Roman 8 28 affirms in our lives. It says, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. God can make a famine good. God can make a death good. God can make the loss of a job good. He can do that. Listen, if you are trying to be reminded during this uncertain time how to be satisfied in God, I want to encourage you to see that even our burdens are a blessing. Even those things that feel heavy, even those things that feel hard to carry around, grief, loss, tragedy, disappointment, betrayal, that God can even use those as blessings in our life. Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew chapter five. He said it like this. I want us to take a look at these. God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses those who mourn. When Naomi was grieving Elimelech, when she was experiencing all that loss and she was in mourning, look what it says, they will be comforted. God blesses those who are humble, for they will inherit the whole earth. God blesses those who hunger and thirst for justice. Yes, amen. For they will be satisfied. God blesses those who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. God blesses those whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. Amen. You want to know how to be satisfied in God? Man, have a heart that's pure, and you will see God. God blesses those who work for peace. I want to work towards peace. I want to be blessed because I'm working towards peace. For they will be called the children of God. God blesses those who are persecuted for doing right. Man, have you ever felt persecuted for doing right? God says you're blessed. You're blessed. It says, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil things against you because you are my followers. There is a promise here that God, that Jesus is blessing our lives. We just have to recognize that we are blessed because of our belief. Listen, even the benefits that God has put into our lives, those are blessings too, that does count. But even our burdens are blessings. Even our burdens are blessings in our lives. Wherever you find yourself today, if you believe in Jesus, hear me, if you believe in Jesus, you are blessed. Blessing is whatever God wants to give me. 
whatever God wants to give me, not just the good stuff, but whatever God wants to give me that will help me to be fully satisfied in Him. I, I love that so much. I actually want to end by saying a prayer of blessing over each one of you. And we're going to have a time of worship together. And I cannot think of a better way this Mother's Day weekend than for us to come together as families, whether you're single or there's kids in the house or whatever the case may be, I want us to be together in this moment. I want you to get together. Maybe it means kneeling down in front of whatever screen you're watching. Maybe it means holding hands. Maybe it means laying hands and praying over one another, but we're gonna have a time of worship that I think has the power, the, power, the potential to be incredibly profound and powerful in our lives so if you've got kids if you've got people who you can gather with right now i would love for you guys to be in that same room in that same place together and i want to pray this for each one of you right now this comes straight out of scripture this comes straight out of numbers chapter 6 verse 24 it says may the lord bless you and keep you make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you may the lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. I'm praying that. I'm saying that over you, each one of you, Hope City Church, today, and believing that God is going to do something in our hearts to open our eyes to see just how incredibly blessed we are.